Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 2 of Star Trek Jujurations. I am one of your hosts, Sean Ferrick, and joining me as always is the wonderful Jack Tracy. Hello Jack, Hi. how are you? Hi everybody, from my ready room to yours, uh, we're know. going to review another subbar episode. <laughs> I will Boy, not you... hear a word against this titan of the Star Trek we're... franchise, Jack. Right, so if for those of you who are just checking in now and haven't checked out episode one yet, um, last week at the end of our episode, Sean Farrick assaulted me with a drudgery of a TOS episode called Shore Leave, which is what we'll be reviewing today. And I have to say just off the bat, um, not to steal from uh, one of your other shows, but uh, I'm giving a down to the lack of, of um, uh, ghost candle fucking. Uh, and actually, of all of the TOS episodes, this would lend itself quite well to ghost candle fucking. Yes. I, you know, and I think that is how we should rate these episodes going forward by, like, the amount yep. of um, amount of ghost candle sex. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. That is now. All right. You heard it here first, everyone. Episode two of Star Trek Treasurations. We have said we will rate it. How, we will rate it even. <laughs> How much? How many ghost candle fucking out of ten? I give this episode four ghost candles. <laughs> oh I my actually, god, I so, love this so much. So for those of you who get the video of this on, I don't know, it'll probably be on Patreon or something, maybe YouTube. Um, I do have a series of props. Uh, you, of course, have a million. You've got a horgon. I've got the Resican flute. But we do need to contact somebody. If you are someone who does like 3D printing or anything like that, and you can make us a set of ghost candles, we'll pay we'll pay yep so like reach out to us on the socials i want ghost candle sex absolutely also just want to pick up on that really quickly because that mm. it, the very very interesting choice of a word there by saying we'll pay it sounds really like oh my god thank you so much if you say you'll pay it becomes really threatening it's like almost the same <laughs> sentence but you know just just with a different inflection you know if you and, can make some ghost ones you'll pay uh, and uh, and you will pay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, there are no ghost candles in this episode, but why don't you talk us through what actually is in this episode? Because this is this is probably the first TOS episode I have sat down and watched straight through in one sitting, not doing anything else in, I don't know, 20 years. That's really interesting because, okay, right, so... We'll, we'll address all of that really, really quickly. The plot of mm. the episode, which mm. is both super complicated and also wafer thin. So <laughs> the Enterprise rocks up to a planet that seems to be empty but idyllic. So they're going, great, this is a great place for the crew to get some R&R. Kirk is stressed to the nines and is there getting felt up on the bridge by his yeoman, who he is mm. then disappointed to find is not Spock. Just for all of you Kirk yeah. Spock shippers out there. I do love that um, the person who points out that this is a problem, that female yeoman is putting her hands on the captain, is the captain. <laughs> like, even the, even they, even the, when they, when they, when they realize the sexism within the episode, it's always the man schooling the woman on like, now, now, now. <laughs> oh, it's, cringe. It's, cringe. Uh, oh, actually, in first, let's say up front, this episode yeah, we, we, does not pass in the me, post Me Too mm, uh, mm. at all, at, at all. So I suspect some of this will be fixed in when we are when we are judging the episode up. Uh, I know Jack wants to dial up 
the amount of sexism mm. in it. But I'll probably dial it back a little bit. I, um, I just eliminated we, we bring the our women all together. There are no women in the uh, episode. Uhura is played by a drag queen. <laughs> um, moving swiftly along. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes. So they go down to the planet and McCoy thinks he is office rocker when he, first of all, talks about Alice in Wonderland and then suddenly sees the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland in a fairly good suit from the 1960s, I'll say. Um, and uh, followed immediately by Alice, who I must stress, this... This, this young actor is obviously a very nice young person who's doing their best, but mm. is clearly from the American Midwest and was once told that England exists. And that's how you should rate her accent uh, <laughs> when she attempts to do an English accent. But very nice young person, clearly trying their best. Um, Can, this can't wait till you get to the Irish accents. <clears throat> can't wait anyway. till you get to the Irish accents. Star Trek hates Irish people. I don't know if you've realized, but every time it's that little like corny Irish music and it's like, where are me lucky charms? Like Star Trek hates Irish people. Up the long ladder, this, Star Trek hates oh, Irish people. Like Finnegan, <laughs> Finnegan skedaddled so that up the long ladder could skedoodle. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking, Jack. Um, all right, let's, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. This, this episode, it's really more of a collection of vignettes, if I'm mm. honest, right? So we mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. Sulu faces off against a samurai, because of course he does, 1960s, how are you? Uh, McCoy is killed by a black knight, which mm. is pretty shocking and almost immediately sort of forgotten in the episode. Um, we have, we actually have in this episode, which I will point out to its strength, is there's some guests of the week who actually get stuff to do. It's not amazing stuff to do, but it's not just the main trio in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, we have the Yeoman, we have Rodriguez, and we have a character who, God bless her, she gets lines, but she is so forgettable. I forgot her name, and the episode forgot to explain how she came back at the end of the episode. She's just standing beside Rodriguez after having been killed by a by a Japanese Zero plane. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I assume that she comes back the same, the, 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 she comes back the same way McCoy comes back, like body dragged oh. off and reconstructed, oh. I assume. Sure, 100%, but literally to the point of like, in the edit, she's not there, then she is. Right. No, no one like addresses the fact that she's back. No one addresses the fact that she's alive. It's just like, and even when they're talking about it, it's, oh my God, the death of my surgeon. I guess that young one can just go kind of fuck herself then. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> apologies. Uh, but yeah, Kirk goes down to get shore leave. Very quickly, they find out that this probably isn't a planet you should be having shore leave on, until they mm. decide it is. There's tigers. There's Finnegan. There's Finnegan, Jack. I mean... Did you realize that... Did you remember this was in this when you suggested the episode? Or I remember it not being as bad. I remember... So I was, I was like yourself. I was... So much younger when I saw this, uh, because my first big rewatch of the original, well, watch of the original series, I was a nipper. Now I did do a rewatch recently, so I confession, I I have seen Shore Leave in the last few weeks right. actually, and I mean just Finnegan. Does so this is one of those many? Yeah, go. Does the existence of Miles O'Brien make up for Shore Leave and Up the Long Ladder, as as an Irish person? Make up for, no, no. But go. It goes a long way towards Star Trek apologizing to the Irish. Because Miles fact, yeah. wasn't very fiddly d. 
Miles Post, it, as as far from fiddly D as you can get. And in right. fact, uh, just tiny, tiny little sidebar, an episode of DS9's first season, If Wishes Were Horses, was going, going to be... Yes, you've got it. Yes, there we go. So yes, and I like the fact that Colomini said, ha no. <laughs> and, and oh, sorry, I cut you off because I know the answer to that, but maybe our listeners don't. So So what was Wishes for Horses going to be? Wishes for Horses, uh, a race of aliens, it's, a race of aliens basically scans the minds of several of the DS9 crew members right. and projects uh, creatures from their imagination as a way of getting to know them, one of which is Rumpelstiltskin, but originally was going to be a leprechaun. And Colomini was just like, yeah, it's me or the fella in the hat. <laughs> but and, I, I, I have this in my notes, not for that purpose, but because I feel this episode is very If Wishes Were Horses. And this episode is also has moments of, oh, God, I don't know the now, now, you know, drag me for not being a true fan. But I'm going to just say a series of ones and zeros. One, one, zero, zero, one, 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 one. I, because of the yeah. minuet portion is very Ruth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Ruth. All right. But we're I not, mean, that's a good transition to finishing the recap of this episode, which we keep so, getting delayed from. <laughs> recap of this episode. So collection of vignettes. They eventually figure it out. McCoy's actually fine. Oh, look, there's the crewman back. No one cares. Right. And uh, Kirk, who created Finnegan in one instance, also created this character, Ruth, who he had known years previously. Mm-hmm. She gets arguably more uh, fleshing out than Antonia did in Star Trek Generations. I have Antonia and... in my notes. Mm-hmm. Hey, I tell you, we are one. We are one. Um, and if we make and... enough on our Patreon and I get to fly over there, we can be one in more ways than one. Um... I, will, I will say it right now. We will film it. It will be available. <laughs> I haven't agreed to that quite yet. <laughs> we can talk about We can talk about Maybe for the Patreons. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I can still be a lawyer after uh, putting that on the internet. Anyway, this episode. You see how boring this episode is that we are finding any reason to not talk about this episode? Uh, do you know what? Even, like, I, I was, t- just before we came on record, I was re-watching it again, and I sent you a message, and I went, my God, that? this episode drags. And it does. But they Because there's... Know. I won't say they all do. No, there's, there's, there, trust me, there is much. There's, this is a good episode for judging because there is much, much stronger episodes of the original series. The pacing is tighter. The pacing is dreadful on this episode. So, um, so to finish up the recap, what's the big reveal? What's the mystery? What's the, how do we. All it's Star Trek's first holodeck. People. Right. There we go. Like, it's, it's, it's a psychic holodeck, but it's Star Trek first holodeck. That's what it is. So it's a race, um, yeah, it was, and it's also very. I keep bringing up this episode as if I like love this episode, but it's also very arsenal of freedom. It's they're on this planet, and there's like this machine going or whatever, and it's the race of people who are you know scanning brains, creating fantasies. But it's not the holodeck because they're actual like androids. Mm, they're plastic yeah. metal people, so it's not holograms. So to me, that says why couldn't anybody notice that? Like. Kirk was within inches of Ruth. He didn't see that she was like a toy. Uh, or or Finnegan. Ruth or Finnegan. Or Finnegan. He punched yeah. it. He didn't feel that it was... See, that's that gets into my judge. But, um, um, yeah, so then this caretaker... Oh, Star Trek loves the word caretaker. This caretaker yes. comes out and is like, yo, this is a planet where it's like a... It's like a Risa. It's like a holodeck Risa. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that would be a perfect description, I think. Right. And the end of the episode, they're like, what? Like, oh, ha, 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 you killed McCoy, whoopsie-daisy, oh, well, why don't we stay here? Well, we should go up to the ship. Oh, look, there's Ruth. 
I could probably still bang that robot. Ha ha ha. End of episode. Exactly. And also, there is a <laughs> glaring issue. A glaring issue. Just because they know how the planet works. Mm. Have you ever heard of intrusive thoughts? You're having a lovely afternoon. You're having a picnic. Hey, I wonder what happened that time with Jack the Ripper. Whoops. <laughs> right. Well, we have that with, with um, Don Juan, who's... Exactly. Who sexually assaults Barrow. Unclear. Her dress is ripped. It's unclear what he did to her. Uh, and also keeps coming back. Um, it's... Yeah. So... To transition into the things we liked about this episode. So one, the concept is great in theory mm. because episodes like this give a sci-fi way to delve into the inner thoughts, motivations, and backstories of our characters. So when done correctly, you can get an episode that really like explores... Um, a struggle or an internal thing that you don't sort of get in your general like action adventure episode or like mystery episode, you can actually like dig into and like build these characters. Now this episode doesn't do that, but um, because we're thinking of Alice in Wonderland and Tigers, but you could have been thinking about, they could have been, you know, Kirk does it, but everyone else like things from their past or something they're obsessed with the death of a crew member. Like there's from a previous episode, there's, there's ways that this format can really like, enhance all of the characters so i like it as a concept william shatner's acting is great he gets shit all the time he's good in this episode i will say and i think we've talked about this before that having gone back and rewatched the original series recently yeah shatner's reputation it's not fair no the 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 stilted speech of shatner that is completely, it's been blown way out of proportion. It's not to Absolutely. say it's perfect, but none of them are. None of them are perfect mm-hmm. in this. And like, pick any character and there's there's episodes of good acting and bad acting. Kirk, honestly, he's quite solid. And you're dead right, particularly in this episode. Mm. Yeah. I, I have no problem with William Shatter. I also really liked aspects of the cinematography. There was... Um, there's a particular shot when they're outside and it's um, there's a particular shot when they're outside and it's sort of like a low angle tracking shot. It's not quite West Wing, but it's like a low angle tracking shot that they follow them with. Um, they just I always love that shot because it makes things feel more cinematic. Like there was some really good cinematography in this that I liked. Um, and I also appreciate that they were actually outdoors and not on. Now, were they in a public park and like trying to film around a jungle gym sure but 100%. um <laughs> but was that girl from alice in wonderland just a kid with her mom like on the merry-go-round they're like hey come be alice sure but i do appreciate that you know they actually went outside and they just didn't do this on like a like whenever i think of like shitty sound stages sh- shitty sound stages as outdoors i always think of um hide and cue Oh, yes. Yes. Where it's just like mountain range, color sky, end of list. <laughs> Oof. Oof. That's, that is something that is so unfortunate. Yet yeah, TOS and TNG. TOS benefits a little bit from the remaster. TNG, I don't I, I don't think it hurts it, but I don't think it massively benefits. Either. They were able to add some effects in right. the remaster. But you're right. It, it gives it a sense of scale 
that it's often it's hard to do on a starship because a starship is designed in corridors and smaller rooms right. whereas there's one shot in this where Kirk is running away from Finnegan and this is when they're still down in the green before they go to the rocks and it's quite a wide angle shot and Jinnah Jimahan, whatever this character is, is jumping around like a madman in the back and Kirk is running and running and running. But the fact is he has the room to do that. And yes. that is something you don't often see in Trek. Because even when we do space shots and, you know, when it gets to kind of DS9 Voyager era and you got to have a bit more fun with that, mm-hmm. still scale is hard. It's the one thing where... It's the one thing Star Wars does better than Star Trek is scale. Well, well, well. Star Wars, like recent Star Trek, I think takes it too far. Now we don't need to get into we can get into this in an episode where it where it comes into play, but like especially like the season finale of Picard season one, where it's like there are three thousand starships against four thousand starships. I remember when there was a lot of tension when two Klingon birds of prey uncloaked and we were like, oh shit, there's more than one. There's, you know, I think, I think we've now overcorrected in Star Trek with scale. My bigger issue with scale is we treat every planet like a city. Yes. Like every planet is one city and there's never, and it's not, a, there's, you know, you can't explore that much in a single episode when you're going to hop in from planet to planet, but... I would love it if the worlds were a little more diverse. And I feel like Deep Space Nine did that a lot, where you'd have, like, you know, a class issue. You know, there was some at TNG that did it as well. Mm. Um, like, the Kesprit on yes. Attached. I love that episode. It's going to come up a lot, guys. Um, or, you know, where, where – but especially TOS and especially early TNG. Like, it's like they visit cities, or, like, there's a colony that's, like, the whole planet and this, like, terraformed colony. It's just, like, what, a thousand people? That's mm. it? On the whole planet? You know, it's, it. yeah. So that's my bigger issue with scale. But, start, you know, Star Wars does it, too. Once once it gets to, like, thousands and thousands of droids fighting other thousands of droids and, and you know, Time it's slums. just, like, too much, too much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I agree completely. It's You're so right when it comes to cities on planets. Like, take this for example. This entire plot happens around the lake in a park. You know? And, and we see the many shots from space where it is a huge, you know, blue, green, brown planet. There's obviously so much to explore. But no, no. We're going to the lake. Right. All right, then. Um, and you're right. It happens so... I mean... Any planet-bound episode, generally, you get something like this. Right. Um, but, I think they now know, lean that's... into the joke of it almost. So, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I liked about this episode. Um, I I did like that McCoy died because it was quite like I, that was quite shocked. I was not expecting that. Like it did surprise me. There were things <laughs> in this that did surprise me, and I I thought that was pretty risky and and. Um, yeah, I, I liked that, and, I mean, you always love seeing the Vasquez Rocks, um, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably about it. What are your favorite things from the episode? I actually, so, McCoy is probably my least favorite thing from the episode, because he's written quite poorly, he's written quite, like, Mm. a I like ladies as princesses, baby. Why don't you put on this gown? Mmm, Dr. Daddy-like. Creep. I mean, creepy. This is a direct quote from the episode. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, 
even to the Doctor Daddy bit. Um, but actually, although she's not used amazingly, I do like Barrow. I like her. I would have liked to have seen her again um, because she has a personality. And for a lot of the day players, they don't normally get that. And in fact, case in point, one of the first faces you see in the episode is Lieutenant Leslie. Now, he will go on to appear in dozens of episodes. Mm. He only gets a few speaking lines throughout all of Star Trek. But he's an example of a day player that we have kind of retroactively assigned a personality to. Whereas Barrow, in this one episode, yeah, she she gets me to, she kind of... You know, she gives the captain her piece of her mind a little bit. It's like, I don't see your name on the shore list or shore leave list. What's going on? You know, and although, yeah, 1960s and representation mm. of women in the future, not amazing. And They make it her idea. She says, I think women should be princesses. They have her say it. And then him go along with it. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Oh, look at that little dress. Why don't you put that on for daddy? Gross, gross. Gross, 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 gross. Again, I was like, quote. <laughs> I'm just quoting. I'm just reading the script. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, I like that you have. A, a, I always love a guest character and one that like feels like they're integrated with the crew. That's like that they've been there for a while and there's like a, a sense of familiarity, even if it's the only. It's the first time we, as the viewers, see them. I like that because it makes the ship feel bigger and and yeah. it adds to scale, you know, by having these characters that maybe we didn't see but is, are sort of like have pre-existing relationship with the main crew. I like that. Did I like Barrow specifically? And no, and it wasn't. And also, also getting into things I didn't like about the episode, um, homophobic uh, to have her hair constantly frizzed all over the place on that planet where was the homosexual making sure that her hair was right in these shots homophobic I mean I can't say you're wrong she just also, had flyaways all over the place just like like all of them perf- all the men perfectly groomed there they are looking great on camera and her hair is just like all over the place and you know what Beverly Crusher's hair and Deanna Troy's hair for a while homophobic where were the faggots they needed to be involved in these productions some of some of Crusher's hairstyles were, mm. Mm. and of course Space Barbie from Encounter at Farpoint, as mm. Marina Sears just calls her. Um, yeah. I actually, and also the you know, there is no way that Finnegan and Kirk were going to finish their day by fighting. So, but I mean, there were gays present. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. We get, also the weird. Why do we? Why do we always need to rip a shirt? It's like, we oh, need to show uh, distress. Just tear his tunic. Tear her tunic. There's a lot of... Um, I hope the Enterprise has a tailor because they need a Garrick because, man, we ripping, we're ripping tunics left and right. Um, also, fun fact about this one mm. is I will give you a shiny nickel if you can tell me the moment Kirk rips his shirt. Well, you don't see it. Isn't it? Isn't it just like it's a fight, and then suddenly the camera cuts, and it's like exactly. never shirt is ripped. No, yeah, you never. Yeah. Well, because they. I mean, I'm sure they couldn't. Court. They were probably, for time, trying to film this as quickly as possible and get it done, and they just didn't yeah. have the ability, like the time to like set up the stunt to actually. And they probably did. They probably had one shirt. They were like, we rip it, it's done. Like yeah. we don't have time to do a million takes with different shirts. Exactly. Um, yeah, you're actually you're dead right about the filming. This was being rewritten on the fly. Um, sure it was it seems so they started yeah like they started filming without a proper script and which look happens a lot 
But uh, apparently there is, uh, I was looking at Memory Alpha there, which is an amazing resource. And it was just saying, apparently the cast and crew remember Gene Roddenberry sitting under the tree, furiously writing notes to try and keep the episode in budget. All right. So we don't like Creepy Doctor. We don't like ripped shirts. You know what the ripped shirt always reminds me of? Something else I don't like, but has nothing to do with this episode. So sure. So TNG was my, and I've talked about it already in the last episode, TNG was my, like, childhood. TNG was my, um, they were my action figures. I had every single one of those Playmates action figures. I had stuff all over the house. Like, I, and it always infuriated me that the only Riker they made in his proper uniform had that rip on his chest. Mm-hmm. The fuck? Why do we need to do, why did we do that? Like, I want just a Riker. In his uniform, looking normal. But they, like, I know this weird... And there's no episode where he has that, right? Like, it, at, wh- why? It's because when... I mean, this doesn't excuse it, but Riker was the new Kirk. Sure. And they hadn't a clue what to do with him for the first couple of seasons, which is why I'm almost pleasantly surprised that we got so many good Riker moments in those first couple of years because they were just like, uh, make him Kirk. Uh, I don't know what's going on here and Jonathan Frakes was able to bring a great performance out of that but it's so funny you should mention about that particular Playmates action figure Mm -hmm. only recently there I saw someone did a cosplay of that figure and it's brilliant it's where it's it's the curse and it's he's holding the phaser in one hand and he's got the the, the hand in the palm punch in the other hand and I it was so good also Uh, I cut off all the little phaser beams from those toy phasers because I hated it I like snipped them all off yeah, I, so it was just I half and half it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the other thing I'll just mention that I didn't like, you, I think maybe you liked it based on what you said earlier on like these, um, the, the two people whose names I did not commit to memory uh, who are hiding from the tiger and get shot by samurai plane. Um, these, yeah. these extras. I like day players. Like I think Barrow is fine, but sure. not to the detriment of where the fuck is Scotty where Hoor doesn't get much to do? Like we're mm. we're, I like them as an addition, not as a substitution from main cast members. It could have been Scotty and Uhura in that place. They could have been down there doing that. I'd rather see you. them. I'd rather see them yeah. or give them some plot. They're doing, you know. Again, it's going to sound like I love this episode, like it's my favorite episode. But again, Arsenal of Freedom, you had them on the planet, but then you had like Jordy couldn't get in contact with them, which I think is said in in a lot. I think they can't talk to the ship at some point. And so there should have been some Uhura Scotty scenes of them trying to like break through the communications dampening field or, you know, just something. Just what are they doing? What's the ship doing? Uh, I I agree. Like the only... Why does Spock beam down to tell them we only had enough power to beam one person? Because we want to, see, because we want to see Spock in this episode. That's it. Of course, but like that's it. Like and you're kind of like, Grant. Okay, you've delivered the message. Great. Go back. Oh, you can't. At least and you can't TNG, let the Enterprise know. Yeah. At least TNG made a point about every time they put the captain on the planet, like to Riker to be like, Nah, I don't think so, and he'd be like, I'm overruling you. They'd at least like try to like justify it or like give mm. a reason why this person is going down. Um But yeah, this yeah, this was it's bad. It's just bad. It's not great. It, it is literally as uh, particularly in this moment where Spock beams down, sorry, I know Leonard Nimoy, we love seeing you, but Ensign yeah. Ricky could have delivered that message. Right. And like, 
why why did they have to beam down a person to deliver the message? Couldn't they have like beamed down a pad or a <laughs> yeah, something exactly. that would have been like less energy, and then maybe they could reserve the power to send a person later? I uh, again, script written on the fly. Mm. This is very much not thought out. And I also didn't like like the reveal at the end. There's no. There's no hint. There's no like. The audience figures it out immediately. I figured it out in the teaser. You know, he said, Alice in Wonderland, oh, surprise, there's Alice in Wonderland. Like, oh, oh, there's something that's creating their their thoughts or fantasies. I had to figure it out in the teaser, done. Hmm. And the fact that Sulu is portrayed as a moron, who's like, oh, look, a, a, a revolver, isn't this fucking cool? Like, um, hi, shouldn't you find this strange, sir? Um, what I got, because I agree with you completely, but what I got from that, and it went a ways toward making me feel less kind of like, ah, oh, Barrows, seriously, is that right. I thought there was some sort of doping going on. Maybe, yeah, okay, I could have seen that. Uh, I could have s- Now, I, I agree, it's not telegraphed, I just yeah. kind of inferred that, but right. like, Zulu was like, oh, I'll just fire some live rounds here, that's grand, nothing could possibly go wrong. So weird, so wow. weird. And then, and then, just so, the, so that there's no, you see the little antenna thing, but other mm. than that... The like, oh hey, we're a race of people, and we've uh, we this is a pleasure planet, and we create your thoughts, and you guys aren't ready for it, so get the fuck out. Like, it was just very like, a, I mean, you saying that they were writing it on the fly makes sense because it sounds like that was just like tacked on at the end of like, oh, we gotta explain what's going on here. Like, there was no build to it, there was no mystery, there was no. It was really just a series of vignettes, and then oh, by the way, this is why this all happened, and uh, you want to fuck uh, Plastic Ruth? Great done Ta-da. yep McCoy was yep. dead oopsie whoopsie haha <laughs> don't do that again please <laughs> it's like you know grand 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 wait a minute where's Veronica how dare you ask sorry no Angela I keep I was meant to anyway Angela was the did other one's not name. commit their names to memory yeah. no I, I trust me I, I am beat this I did not know I did not remember but like hmm. okay but yes so okay so uh now you're asking me about 45 minutes ago what did I not like about the episode right. um I well, like I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I didn't like that, you know, kind of, oh, it's a pleasure planet, didn't you know? Well, beam the whole crew down. Um, also, why couldn't they just beam the whole crew down to begin with? Why introduce that thing of, right. oh, we can't beam up or beam out of here? So there's all of that. Um, and I, I mean, like... Of course, Zulu encounters a samurai warrior because, God forbid, he could engage in some drunken Irish boxing. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, Creepy. yeah. Gross. Um, and just, I thought as well, like, particularly like about the actual making of the episode, the fight between Kirk and Finnegan, mm-hmm. it feels so long. Oh, um, they they had time to kill. They did not yes. film enough. They just like, we need to pad this episode absolutely and 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 they do i think this could have been if you were to take now i have the hindsight of 60 years of what the franchise has done behind me of course if you took this idea and made a short trek out of it i think sure. there could be a fun short trek in that um same same crew like i'm edited down maybe I, i'm not sure but this 50 minutes was an ask for this episode yeah yeah um, and he says, if I heard that fiddly idle violin one more time, it was going up someone's arse. 
They always after me, Lucky Charms. Um, all right. Well, I think we have. So I have no memory of a getting, you know, seeing this. Ep- this is the first time I saw this episode, so I don't have any past with this episode. Do you have any past okay. with this episode? Not past per se. I do remember it because the image of the white rabbit, more than anything else, always stood out to me because it's such mm. an outlandish image, you know? I remember it with respect to, um, there was a book called Star Trek Chronology that I okay. would get... And they updated it. There were several editions of it, and it would it would put the uh, the episodes and then the events and references within the episodes in sort of a chronological timeline. Okay. So you'd have things where you're like you're in like you know twenty three fifty four, and I'm, don't come at me, nerds. Like I don't have this. I'm not pulling out a fact that I know, but like twenty three fifty four. That's when the Enterprise C went missing, or like you know it would just it would go through like. 45, Jack. Oh, my God. Like, come on. This is basic stuff here. That's 2345, Uh, the Battle of Narendra 3. Oh, my God. Well, well, I said 2354. Maybe I'm dyslexic, and uh, (laughs) you need to save space for uh, my struggles, and I feel attacked, and I'm canceling you on the internet. Um, I'm trying to find a way to turn off my notifications, because for some reason, at 8 in the morning, everyone wants to text me, and... uh, um, Well, if you're uh, you're like me, they all want to know that you survived the night. That's why. Uh, no, it's people who want things from me, uh, <laughs> be it money or, uh, favors. Um, so I, yeah, I, the only th- I remember the picture of the white rabbit next to the, like the, this episode existing in the timeline. And that's mm. the picture they used for like the, you know, anyway. Um, uh, so I remember the image of the white rabbit and being like, the fuck is this? But yeah, I have no, I have no TOS history. Well, I think we have explained quite well why this episode needs zhuzhing. So right after this uh, break, we will each take you through our ideas, which we have not shared with each other yet. We're going to share with each other live on how to make sure leave uh, uh, an A-plus episode. Hi, gay. Do you like Star Trek? Do you like gay? Well, then you might want to join the Star Trek Zhuzhurations fan community over at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh. Z-H-U-Z-H. Why would you want to do that? Well, one, you think that Sean and or I are pretty, and you would like to lift us out of abject poverty. Or because you really like this podcast and you want to help support it and keep it afloat by allowing us to afford the administrative expenses of doing it. Or... You just want some exclusive content. So what's exclusive content on the Star Trek Jujurations Patreon? That is your ability to get the episode before anyone else. You can also see the video recording of us doing the episode where we wear our Starfleet uniforms, me, my single Next Generation Command uniform, and Sean rotating through his collection of probably about 359 different uniforms which is currently the number of uniforms on screen between Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek Picard, because apparently uniforms are custom to your design now. You can also have direct interaction with us with Ask Me Anythings that will hold, a weekly live event where we will be watching the episode that we are going to review, and even your ability to participate by helping us choose the next episodes on the podcast. So if you like gay, and you like Star Trek, and you like supporting independent creators and writers who are trying to do their thing, head on over to patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H, and find a membership tier that works for you. In fact, I'm going to throw in a sweetener. 
If you sign up for our biggest tier, the most exclusive tier, which is our commander tier, for three months, I will give you a fourth month for free if and only if you direct message me on Patreon and tell me what this is. Do, 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 do. See you on the Patreon. All right, Sean, judge this episode. Right, okay, so for this episode, I want to go, like, you have been handed the keys to a holodeck that creates things entirely from your mind. Hmm. So I say we go and we play with that idea a lot more than they did here. And by doing that, I would strip nearly all of the real characters out of this episode. We're still going to have them appear, but it won't be the Kirk, the Spock that you know. Because I would say, leave the cold open exactly the same. Change nothing, right? You have, yeah. So you have. You're fully into the back rub. You want that back rub? No, oh, that's Act yes. One. That's Act that's One. Act Sorry, one. no. That's Act One. But also, I mean, so. let's walk. Let's make sure the back rub is in there. Mm. Uh, but no, you have Sulu and you have McCoy walking on the planet. McCoy mentions Alice in Wonderland. He looks up, sees the White Rabbit, mm. sees Alice. We cut to the credits, okay? Act one, McCoy goes down the rabbit hole. And, like, I'm going to sum it up really, really quickly. Rename this episode McCoy in Wonderland and completely lean into the Alice in Wonderland element of the story. Have your regulars as the various characters from Alice in Wonderland. So you have McCoy will be, you know... Yes, Alice will appear in the cold open, but McCoy is Alice in this situation. So you'll the only real character you'll have for most of the episode is just McCoy and obviously Sulu, but he gets he's still up by the lake uh, playing with his gun. And so go down the rabbit hole in Act 1, okay? And then you land and you have your usual kind of discombobulation of what on earth is going on. Also because it's very rare we see McCoy silly. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to lean into that a little bit here because DeForest Kelly can do silly. Um, it's when they give him, yeah, we're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna edge the creepiness out of this a little bit. So, I want him to come across the Mad Hatter's tea party. So we have our White Rabbit, White Rabbit unchanged, Mad Hatter Spock. Mm -hmm. Because who would be least likely to be the Mad Hatter? All right, I want to guess. Let me guess up front, since I haven't heard any of it, who I think you're casting the characters as. All right. Okay. And let's you go. don't have to tell me now, but then we'll find out as you go through it. So this is my guess. I'm guessing Uhura is the caterpillar. I'm guessing because okay. I can see it kind of done almost seductively and not to, not to, sorry, not to like make the woman seductive, but I mean, this probably, that'd be the least of our worries with the actual episode of what they've done to Barrow. But like seeing her with the, like the smoke and like sort of the hookah aspect of it, I could see, I could see Nichelle Nichols really chewing that up. Um, uh, okay. So what other characters do we have? We've got, so we've got the, the queen of Heart. So I Queen guess maybe that, that would be, because it's the female character, maybe that would be Uhura. But um, I could also see that being Chekhov being like, oh, it's Chekhov on the ship yet? No. Not in season one. No, no he's so not he's not here one. yet. No, he's not here yet. So I could be that being Sulu. I could see him being a bit nuts. Um, um, what other characters do we have? I'm trying to remember my, 
So we have Tweedledum, Tweedledee. Tweedledum, we have Tweedledee. the Jabberwocky as our villain. Jabberwocky. Uh, we All have... right, I, I... Oh, so Kirk as Jabberwocky then. And um, Tweedledum, Tweedledee, who's left? Scotty and... Who's left? It would have to be uh, like a... I think that's the cast. The main cast is out. Okay, all right. Anyway, so all right. I'm, with... that, that was my guess. I have no idea. Take, get, let's keep going. Take us through the rabbit hole, Sean. Okay, so through the rabbit hole, we get to our we get to the Mad Hatter's tea party. We have Spock is our Mad Hatter, mm-hmm. and we have our White Rabbit there as well, who is just going to say remain as the White Rabbit. The Cheshire Cat I have as Uhura. Ah, I see that too. Okay, same same sort of concept, like the 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 mystical magical one. Yes, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So um, she is going to be the one. That is going to be sort of as like like the Cheshire Cat, like the guide for McCoy throughout the whole episode. And, you know, like, I just love that because Uhura, Nichelle Nichols can do sultry. She can do oh, yeah. sexy. And the Cheshire Cat. Is there Cat, a fan dance? <laughs> there is now a fan dance in the episode, but by a cat. That it is essential that it is done by her as the cat. As a cat. Yeah, with the same um, with the same wardrobe quality as the the white rabbit from the actual episode. Oh, it, no doubt, but using the same fronds from Star Trek Five. Yeah, and and I'm sorry if they can't make that sexy. That's on them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The furry um, community is delighted. Oh, but that's I, I, it's it's ours is a very open open community. Um, Tweedledum and Tweedledee played by James Doohan. Okay, okay, I got that one. I got that one. Yeah. Okay. Yep, absolutely. And, of course, they will be working for the Queen of Hearts, James T. Kirk. Okay, see that. Okay. Um, And this will give Shatner his, like, chew the scenery, chew it all, chew it to the back seats. Um, Because why wouldn't you? Right. Why wouldn't you? Um, The only one I'm struggling to cast, really, is the Jabberwocky, because I don't think George Takei works for the Jabberwocky in this scenario. Um, so we might have we might have a double up. We might even have McCoy is the Jabberwocky as well. I like that. I like that because um, I am my own enemy. I like I like that. I like that. There's themes in uh, that that could be played. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then basically the episode. Now, I, obviously, I know I'm supposed to break it down act by act, but really, it's kind of a whole piece. Right. And it's it's the '60s. It's everyone's on LSD in this thing. Everyone is all over the place. And it's all about playing with perceptions, playing with the mind, having fun, so that when we get to the end, which is the caretaker there, it's less of a, oh, you really need to end this, and more of a, I really, really like what we just experienced, is how I've written it. Now, as a writer, I have not done a fantastic job, but I like my idea. So wait, so the the message that you wanted the the nineteen sixties message of this episode is, y'all LSD is the shit. Basically, I'm taking the <laughs> message of the book Alice in Wonderland. Right. Yeah. Right. This is a uh, pro drug. Um, uh, this episode. is get off your tits and watch Star Trek. This <sighs> version of the episode. Tasha um, Yar would be so disappointed in you. Yeah, but Ishari Yar is all for it. Right. But. <laughs> But, Tasha, why would someone do drugs? Well, Wesley. (laughs) It's fine. That's a great episode. The more you know. 
Nancy it is. Reagan. Probably the How best are episode you? from probably the best episode from season one. Um, it did give us the last appearance of Merrick Buttrick, though. And you know what was okay? So another, um, I forget what they're called. There's another a Trek YouTube. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about rivals, but there's another Trek YouTube channel that well, they're not Trek. They do movies in general, but they 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 like Star Trek, so they do Trek a lot. And they reviewed season one of TNG, and they pointed out to me that the other guy in Symbiosis is Khan's right hand man. He so yes, the ca- I don't know what Wa- call him the captain or that Joaquin is the character. Yes, yeah. uh, J- uh, Judson Scott is the actor's name. So, um, so in his have first a of Con credited reunion. role. Or a TOS. Oh, because oh, he wasn't credited as that. Yes, he wasn't credited for oh. Wrath of Khan, exactly. And he would return again in Star Trek Voyager. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yes. Sorry, I've, I have this yep. weird, like, I really care about his career. Like, oh, because he's a huge part of Wrath of Khan. And through <coughs> Agent, read the fine print and do a better job. <coughs> mm. He wasn't credited at all for Wrath of Khan. But you're dead right. Yes, he is the, the right. supplier. All right, so we've got an L- pro-LSD episode. Yep. You lean heavily into the Alice in Wonderland. You've got regular characters playing. So for me, it's very um, uh, Barclay's holodeck adventures where they're all yes. playing, like, the Three Musketeers. Like, it's that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it is, it's a McCoy-centric episode, which... Yes. Um, it, so I assume then that, like... Do we see any snippets of, like, the regular crew trying to, like figure out where McCoy is is Sulu like looking for him nope I say nope. we leave Sulu in the cold open and then in the coda we I, I, I personally would be happy if it was just the communicator but if we want mm. to be like alright give the audience a breath of fresh air we maybe go back to find Sulu but that's it but otherwise I want to keep it completely imperfect. it's also future imperfect kinda well, so keep an eye out for Minuet Oh yeah, yes. that's that. I mean, we gotta talk about that episode sometime. That's one. That's yes. one of my favorites too. Um, uh, uh-huh. Also, oh well, does McCoy die? Not in this version. Pot- okay. Like the Jabberwocky, sure, but no, McCoy in this version, he is our. We're following him. It's right. his story, so he's our protagonist. So, off as many of the rest of them as you like. That's fine with me, but right. except who are Cheshire Cat has to live. I find it interesting that you eliminated something from the episode that you really liked, which was the the day players and Barrow and like having all that. So I assume they're just not like they don't exist. If 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 we must reuse them, they can be, you know, soldiers for the Queen of Hearts. But no, I think we've got a tighter story by taking our regular faces, basically kind of like you were saying, like not sacrificing our regulars to give the day players something more to do. I think in the episode as released, it was it was grand it was fun it was nice but the episode as released is not a good episode right it's just little short stories whereas this is i want this to be a fever dream for the duration also i don't care what it costs we pay the rights to jefferson airplane and we just keep playing white rabbit over and over again for the whole episode so this is a good point to to segue this is a good point to mention i think we should mention it at some point in every episode that naturally you know we are huge fans of the franchise and we are in no way impugning uh, the writers or the creators of this episode, obviously you've got studio pressures and budget pressures and all sorts of stuff that two homosexuals, you know, 50 years later, 60 years later, uh, uh, don't Come, have. Coming up and, on 60. Yeah. Right. And we have hindsight and, and exactly. time and all of this stuff. So um, we love 
even what we think are the the most zhuzhable episodes of the franchise and appreciate all of our creators and people who gave us things that are so integrally <laughs> integral to our lives um Absolutely. as star trek fans so we do this is all in good humor this is all in good you know um this is this is a podcast of fan fiction um uh so let me take you down my rabbit hole i would um, very much like that yes now that, <laughs> where 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 are you taking me That'll be the name of the eventual video. Um, so, okay. I went with the... the the. Um, I tried to keep as much of the original episode as possible because I do think the general structure, the fantasy planet, thoughts coming to life, mystery. On paper, that all works. Um, I like this being... in. So you went full fantasy. I went, mm. use it as a way to explore some inner character moment. And I kept it a Kirk episode. Um, okay. I also eliminated... So because we have to judge this of this is something that would have been done in the 60s. Like they have the budget they have. They had what they had. Like I, I'm not imagining that they can put... 5,000 starships in this thing or, or, you know, CGI. So I eliminated the Alice in Wonderland piece of it because it only shows up in the teaser. So yep. I eliminate, I didn't take that and run. I changed it so that they could do costumes that wouldn't be silly. So what I, I did instead, I kept the teaser the same in terms of what it does and that it's McCoy and Sulu on the surface. Okay. What I need in this episode certainly is I need... I need a little more routine from the two of them that explains to us how shore leave works on ships pre-holodeck. Now, obviously, at the time, there wasn't even the concept of a holodeck. Like, it's not like, it's not like Enterprise where they're, like, showing the past when we know what comes. But, like, give us a little, like, okay, you have the Doctor and a team go down. You're analyzing, you know, potential toxins. You're looking for hidden technology. You're looking for, like, show me what the routine is of evaluating a planet for shore leave, since you can't do shore leave on the ship. Like, give me the routine. What's 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 Starfleet protocol? What are they doing? So give me a little more of that. McCoy goes off. He makes a comment about how maybe how long it's been since they've had shore leave and how necessary it is and how fortunate it is they have this, you know, planet, which seems ideal. Uh, because he has cabin fever. He feels like Rapunzel in the tower. Oh. Is his reference. He goes away to go continue doing what he's doing, and he comes upon the tower and Rapunzel drops her hair and says to him, um, hurry, you know, she'll be back soon. She'll the witch from the story. She'll be back soon. You know, save me, you know, whatever giving him again, laying on the princess fantasy, but instead of doing it as a woman of star Trek era, who is probably a scientist command officer, you know, like, let's not have her be, I just, you know, I just always wanted to be a silly princess. Let's not do that. Let's actually just make it a figment of imagination so we can keep the theme, but less icky. Because it's obviously fake. And it's from the yes. story. So, anyway, and, and you know, we end on a McCoy, like, the fuck is this, right? Now, act one, we go, okay, so thoughts about me eliminating Alice in Wonderland and substituting... For a different sort of princess thing. So my my, th my is I'm fine with it because now we have my full episode and your full episode and the, Neri the two shall cross, which is grand, no, which actually yeah, works no. with me. Um, and I like 
I can see, or I think I can see the direction your episode is going. And yes, mm. the White Rabbit is, well, in the televised episode, my episode and your episode, it is the most r- ridiculous thing in is it because it's a giant bunny suit. Do it's not a bad think, one. Do you think one of the producers or costume people just like had this and was like, yeah, we should use this. This is cool. And like exactly, just cause, created cause a, a reason amount. to use it. Exactly. Yeah, because it doesn't affect the plot at all again. No. But, uh, but yes, okay, I really like that. So, Rapunzel and the Terror. I yes. like that. I, I have an interesting note written down. I'm not going to say it till the end, cool. but that's that's really interesting. Okay. So, so, I am trying to keep, for this one, because if it was Sub Rosa, I, like, completely redid it. For this one, I'm trying to track to the episode and just fix it along the way. So, we, conti- we continue through the episode. Instead of um, starting on the bridge, there are zero back rubs. Zero. Um, there's also no Barrow, and there's no um, there's no rando people on the planet. I also got rid of the day players. So cool. Spock and Kirk are walking to the bridge. Um, we get a – oh, something else I liked from the episode, or I don't know if I liked. And you can tell me, does this happen in TOS a lot? Uh, Captain's Log, stardate 24734? Like, he does, like, oh, an no. uh in the number? I'm like... No, this one is purely, he's stressed out. He's uh, he's not that, focusing. Oh, that's, that's supposed to be stress. Okay. I was like, D- is that's the best take they got? Like, I was, <laughs> I was really... I was like, what the hell is this with the star date? He doesn't know what day it is? Okay, I get it if... It, I get it now, why they did it. Okay. But anyway, so he, you get your captain's log. You know, we're overdue for shore leave. We found a planet. Team's investigating. Um, he's walking with Spock to the bridge. Um, they have a conversation that it looks like, you know, initial reports is going to be good for shore leave. Um, Spock recommends that Kirk goes, that, you know, he seems, he's, you know, Spock's sort of like trying to get out of Kirk what's been, we get a sense that Kirk's been sort of mopey and down for a while, for a couple weeks, and hasn't really said anything, and maybe he's been short with people, and whatever. And so Kirk finally reveals to him that he got a, a communique that his um, academy love, Ruth, um, has just married Finnegan, his okay. uh, rival from the academy. And it's sort of a to okay, this is where I wrote down Antonia in my notes. Antonia in my notes. It's another sort of like roads not taken regret. Mm. That he prioritized almost a Riker Troy. That he he prioritized his career. It pulled them away, and it was like his first love. And so you know he had been over it for a while, but when he got the news, uh, it sort of opened up old wounds. And he can't believe that of all the people you know. And I can see Kirk doing it like a like, but Finnegan, like of all people, she ended up with Finnegan. You know, um, uh, he hasn't been able to shake it. He hasn't been able to let it go. Um, and maybe, maybe Spock drills, you know, questions a little bit and you find out that like, you know, Kirk was always about his career and duty and moving on and Finnegan was fun. He knew how to have fun and Ruth probably liked that. Okay. So we set up, we set that up. So we get to the bridge, we get the call from McCoy. We have that. I loved that Spock Uhura moment about like why it felt very data like you know why sure leave seems stupid my culture doesn't do it i love that Mm -hmm. and i want to keep that um so we you know mccoy replies with the mystery um 
you know, now it's sort of like a, well, Kirk doesn't want to go on the shore leave, but now it's like, well, now you have to go figure this out. So it looks like you got to go anyway. So he beams down. Tower is gone, but McCoy is insistent that it was there. Um, so I'll stop there to get your comments about my sort of like setting setting up Ruth Finnegan and why it's on Kirk's mind and what it is early. Thoughts on that? Uh, definitely it gives more than the episode as televised does. Um, right. Like, we have never heard of Finnegan. We have never heard of Ruth. And even, say, in your version, we've still not heard of them, but you do have that preamble as to why they would be on Kirk's mind, particularly at this point in time. So, yeah, I really like that. That's good. And you, and as you say, because Finnegan in the episode as released is just, he's chaotic. He's like a clown. He's just always gambling right. and laughing and everything, which is... When you think back in your life to someone who always used to be fun, what do you think of is them laughing and the laughter around them. You don't think about yeah. the times they stubbed their toe, you know? Right. So that really fits that. And, you know, you think back to this person you were super attracted to. What do you think? You think mm-hmm. of an idealized version of themselves. There's Ruth. Right. You know? So, yes, hey. really, really like that. And thing I forgot to mention, which is important because I'm seeing it in my notes and it comes up. In the teaser, when McCoy says something about, like, feeling like Rapunzel in the tower... And he walks away from Sulu to go do his thing. I need Sulu to say something, like, sort of uh, to himself. Some sort of, like, I always preferred the Jungle Book. Because it's Sulu that gets tormented by the tiger, which is Shere Khan. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, I like that. Because we, we take out the revolver. We take out the samurai. It's Sulu's, yeah. Sulu's very, like... Okay, so... the We figure out early that... Um, because we see, we either see the tiger or Ruth shows up for the first time. And like the audience, we figure out early. Like Kirk, they know. Like something is is reading our minds and creating these things. You know, Sulu, maybe Sulu, when they're talking about what happened, Sulu remembers like, didn't you just, you said that to me about the about Rapunzel. And then there was, yes, I did say that to you. You know, they've maybe encountered something else. They figure it out very early that something is reading their minds and creating these things. And Kirk is... His hypothesis is that it's holographic technology, that like these are holograms that are appearing so that – and the reason I want, I want him to have this hypothesis early is I don't want him to take this all very seriously. It's silly. It's some sort of game. It's a child's right. toy. It's something. It's not that serious, guys. Let's just go fi- – but it is interesting technology. We should figure out where it's coming from. And, you know, what it is because, you know, we don't have anything like this. This is obviously advanced technology. We should figure out who's running it. Okay. So that's what they're there to do now. Now they're trying to just figure out where it's coming from, scan, try to figure out. Okay. However, we start – we start – the stakes – the danger starts playing now. So first, Kirk – you know, they split up. They do like a you go that way, I go that way, you go that way. Kirk encounters Ruth. And we can have a real sort of um, – he the whole time is is fully aware that she's an illusion or a hologram of some sort. And we can have him sort of have like a, a, a dramatic moment, like a good scene sort of exploring his – like he's taking the opportunity to, to maybe tell Ruth the things he never said or, or confront her about like how could you end up with that guy, yada, yada. We can have a good like Kirk moment. I wish I could have been this for you, you know, just mm. something something that gives us more Kirk and and his personality and his regrets. 
And Finnegan, when he his name is invoked, then suddenly shows up. And because Kirk believes this all to be holograms and knows that this isn't real, he, like, gives Finnegan a piece of his mind. Finnegan says some shit that Kirk doesn't like. And Kirk takes a swing because he knows this is all fantasy. And it contact. He's thinking it's just he's going to, like, go through the illusion. And it hits and hurts because it's, like, you know, some robot it's Mm. not a hologram and it maybe even just like breaks his hand and he's very much and now we're like what are you you know like that's the sort of the surprise like no this is more than it appears these are not illusions these are not holograms we then get sulu now that we know there's actual danger here because a fight has started between finnegan and kirk and kirk's getting his ass beat now we see the tiger and now we're afraid for sulu because we know that this is all very real. At the same time, now the other vignette, the other thing that's going on is McCoy is is now with the Rapunzel. Rapunzel reappears, and he's there to like protect her or save her from something that's coming. And instead, the her actual prince shows up and sees McCoy as like a challenger to Rapunzel's hand. And challenges him to some duel or something, and McCoy doesn't have anything, and McCoy does get stabbed and die. So you keep the death, so it's this escalating, like, oh no, there is actual danger here, and then culminating with, we have the death of a character. We hear Rapunzel scream, that is what brings everybody then together to find a dead McCoy. Um, Kirk's all, you know, beaten up and whatever, um uh uh sulu is like you know like everyone is very like on high alert because of what's been going on um they realize that mccoy is dead they now absolutely must find what this is and like it it raises the 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 need to figure out what's going on i'll stop here for comments i okay i like this and I was thinking as you were talking about so as we get these little reveals, Finnegan mm-hmm. is solid, McCoy dies, and it's this feeling of escalation. Mm-hmm. So I feel that going into now, I'll be interested to see where you bring this, that everyone is on high stress, high alert, which means your thoughts are going to start changing. You're going to have different reactions, and that is going to play into what starts to appear. I think this could be the greatest nightmare planet ever made. But mm. I want to see, obviously, where you take this. Um, I... And like, and I like how close you're sticking to the original as well. Yeah, I think there are other ones I'll probably like completely rewrite, but this one I just felt like the format, the mystery, the concept were solid. It was the execution and like the tightness of the script. So we we they're trying to they can't figure out where the technology is coming from. They can't figure out what's going on as they're you know over mccoy's body body suddenly like a a group of you know kirk explains about like finnegan being like it you know they're real but they're not they're not real like it was this was not flesh and blood this was not you know it was a machine of some sort like because he made contact with it like he knows so then a bunch of like robot people show up um Kirk tells them to steer clear. He just wants to observe what's going on. They almost like a pallbearer kind of thing. They pick up Kirk's body and just like they're not interacting, almost Borg-like. They're not interacting with them. They just come, they pick up the body, and they go. And they're like, and the, the, the team on the surface is basically just like the best thing we have is to follow them. So follows them. 
that leads them back to whatever base or whatever, um, you know, station that, that reveals where all this is coming from because they take McCoy back to it. They enter, and as, you know, Kirk and team are about to follow, Finnegan pounces again, and we get our, like, Finnegan fight. And the mm. tiger shows up, like, all of the things, the print, the the, the knight shows up. So we get our big action sequence of, like, having to, like, trick or, or get rid of all of these threats. Um, escalates, escalates, escalates. I would like to get to the point where just it's not, like, it's not looking good for our heroes, Kirk is about to be maybe bashed in with, like, a rock from Finnegan or something. And we hear the, like, enough. And it's the caretaker with McCoy. And he ends it. Um, and it becomes a, a like, it's the same thing. It's like, this is a planet meant for this. But he, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be here because because the caretaker in the original is like, you know, you're not ready for this. And I want it to be the reason that you're not ready for this is that you're not um, – you can't control your thoughts. Like you as a species, we don't have this. We don't have these errant thoughts. We we are in complete control of our faculties. We can like conjure th- – you know, we can control it and conjure things. We can make sure – we don't have these errant thoughts and regrets and like this sort of stuff. We only live in the present. And so that's why we can have a planet like this, and it's pure fantasy. But your minds are so chaotic. You're full of, you're full of, you know, memories and regrets and errant thoughts and this and that. This is this is why it's dangerous for you, and it wouldn't be. It's not dangerous for our species. Um, and we can have a good speech about from Kirk explaining about humanity. That's part of humanity, you know, like. You know, we, we do, we think about the past, we project it, we think about the future, we have regrets, we, you know, that's just part of our nature. And so, you know, the care, so it's, the caretakers, you know, the, it's, it's a less civilized civilization, us, mm. have stumbled upon a technology and it's all a big accident. Like, this shouldn't be happening, it wasn't designed this way. So, um, that and and because they're advanced, and we've set them up as advanced. You know, when accidents do happen, because you know accidents do happen, they do have the medical technology, and that's how you know McCoy was was healed. Um, they agree to leave, basically that they you know they can't handle this planet, and before um, leaving. Um, the caretaker is sort of like, you know, because of, he, he feels bad for what has happened because this was, this was a huge mistake and misunderstanding. And, um, um, is there anything I'd like to do something for you, you know, to, to just express our apologies and our regrets. And he gives Kirk a moment with Ruth to say what he wants to say and say goodbye. And that's the end of the episode. And they beam up. I like that. I don't, McCoy dies, but Kirk gets the moment with Ruth. <laughs> right. But I really like, no, I really like that. I really like that. I So I can actually, right, my note that I wrote at the start, mm. um, which I thought was going to be, oh, crap, no, this is not going to be applicable at all. Because when you mentioned Rapunzel's Tower, I was like, mm. oh. But actually, so both last week and this week, I realized that your judging. Mm-hmm. has tried to ground the episodes a little bit more. Whereas yeah. I've gone well into the realms of just fantasy. Last week we had the full-on Anne Rice witching hour right. of Sub Rosa. And this time we have, let's just do Alice in Wonderland and cast the crew of the Enterprise. Whereas you have taken, in your version mm-hmm. of Shore Leave, you've taken the idea that was there to begin with, tightened it up, 
given, frankly, more reason for things to happen. And then the greatest fantasy element is like, sure, there's Rapunzel. Um, which is that's Rapunzel is the white rabbit of yours your story. I like as well. Now, did I did I hear you right? Do we actually get to see this fabulous factory that's mentioned in the episode? But there was no way the nineteen sixties budget was ever going to cover. No. So I I in mine I tried to keep the sixties budget in mind okay. because this because okay. this could and that's the reason the white rabbit is gone and I made it Rapunzel. It's like what costume could they have done that that sure. would have worked and have been fine and not been silly and and trying to keep trying to keep something from that whole princess thing and just make it a non-icky thing that's why i went rapunzel um but no you don't see the factory because i was trying to keep this because you know we could judge these episodes and we could just you know we could just completely reinvent them and then it becomes i don't know i don't know if that becomes entertaining i think our listeners probably want us to try to you know it's a zhuzh not a reinvention not a rewrite so um i wanted to keep the 60s budget in mind and so i think what you see is it's sort of like door in a rock face kind of thing and they don't get like the inside cage. right and they yeah. don't get inside because they get ambushed right there um Ooh. and then you know caretaker and mccoy emerge um so we don't okay. see it but right. i like it i like it a lot um i'll be interested now so to yourself obviously and to everyone who's listening uh we we would love to hear so yes. do we go do we do we stick to the kind of grounded, the, you know, is it hard sci-fi? Okay, I'm ter- Jack, can you help me with this? I'm terrible. Hard sci-fi is grounded, in fact. Basically, soft sci-fi is magic can happen. Am I right in that? Um, I've got a semi-sci-fi right now. So. Okay, good, good, good. So, yes, which introduces the wild third uh, <laughs> option. I love it. Um let us let us know what you prefer. Do you want us to go, or do, do you prefer in right. this context the wild fantasy, or right. you know, um, yeah, Jack's holodeck? That's that's right. what I'm going to call it. Whereas right. mine is LSD is good, kids. <laughs> Drug drugs or 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 uh, uh, holodecks. That's that's your choice. So yes, um, we will put in the podcast notes wherever you're listening to this. You know how you can reach out to us. We have an Instagram. We have, uh, we'll be starting a Patreon. Please reach out to us. We want to know which version of this did you prefer? Do you have other suggestions? And we'll, we'll read them on the future episodes. So let mm-hmm. us know. Um, but it has come to that point in the show where I tell you what we're reviewing next week. I am excited. So I was very tempted to move us to Voyager. And I'm I... nearly guessing which episode you were thinking of as well. <laughs> Uh, um, space lizards would be fucking, but I, I had a last minute change of heart literally five minutes before we started recording. And I'm like, nah, nah, we got to do these are the voyages enterprise. These are the voyages. Okay. Yes. Because I can't wait to completely erase that from history. My struggle is that we have to accept the fact that it exists just to do the podcast. But no, I say we do this. Let's give Enterprise the send-off it deserves. Now, having... I will will warn people now. I didn't watch a lot of Enterprise. I watched (gasps) some. I watched, like, the first season until I couldn't anymore. 
And then I went and watched what people put on their list of sort of like the best episodes. So I don't have a full sort of – so my version is probably going to stick. It's going to keep a lot of the concept, which people don't like. And just make it a better execution of the concept. Um, okay. So okay. I know that there are going to be listeners who are like, make it an enterprise-only enterprise thing that, that goes off the Zindi war or whatever. I don't have that backstory, and I'm not going to be able to watch all of Enterprise in the amount of time in order to like do that justice. So we'll leave that to Sean's possible zhuzhing. My zhuzhing, um, I'm going to keep the parts of it you hate, so... Uh, set phasers to cancel um, but please do tune tune in don't worry oh yeah don't worry like, uh, <laughs> alright uh, I'm really interested to see what you do actually right. yeah oh, well we'll talk about it at the time I'm very interested to see what you do with these of the voyages yes I have I have a thought alright so I hope you have enjoyed uh, our little zhuzhing this week zhuzhing a TOS episode uh, if you haven't caught our previous episode, make sure you get all of your ghost candle sex uh, from episode one. We will be back at you next week with These Are the Voyages. Um, if you would like to watch these episodes with us, if, you, if a Patreon where we can do a viewing of these episodes before we record um, would be interesting to you, let us know. Um, if there's any merch that you would like, basically, you know, we want to craft this to our audience. So if you're listening to us and you enjoy us and you want, uh, there's stuff from us that you want or different segments of the episode, um, let us know. We want the feedback. So drop into our DMs and we'll see you next week. See you soon. Star Trek Jujurations is not endorsed by CBS, Viacom, Paramount Pictures, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Star Trek Jujurations theme song includes elements of the Star Trek The Next Generation main title and is done so under U.S. copyright for fair use for parody. Hi, gay. Do you like sex? Do you like gay? Then you might like my other podcast that I currently co-host with J.J. Bozeman called Dying Alone Together. What do we do on Dying Alone Together? Well, we talk about uh, dating and sex and relationships in New York City. You can hear fun stories like the time J.J. got into a windowless van to jerk off with a Hasidic Jewish person. You can also hear about my time in Fire Island where I woke up in a man's bed covered in my own diarrhea. Or how about J.J.'s handy medical tips, including his homeopathic remedy for anal fissures, which includes syringes and raw eggs. So if you like me on this podcast and you think I'm funny and you want to hear more about my horrific dating and sex life in New York City, join us over wherever you listen to, well, this, at Dying Alone Together. Guests include RuPaul's Drag Race's own Britta Filter and Honey Davenport, legendary drag icon Sherry Vine, and we do actually have non-drag guests, which include HBO Max's The Minx's Oscar Montoya and your very own Sean Farrick, who joined us for a very special episode. So if you like gay and you like sex, you are going to love Dying Alone Together. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.